0: Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you guys. Uh, that was a pretty good introduction. Every time I come up, I see new faces and some people who... Uh, I came really early on to this church in 2013, so I got to see Andy Casilla while they're here. But over the years, people have came, they have been sent out, and many people have joined. So it's always good to be able to come and share a little bit about what God is doing with IBCA and what God is doing through all of us. So let me just... Open us up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time. May you bless this sermon, this message, that it may speak to each and every one of us. Use me as you will. May the Holy Spirit bless the reading of the word, and may I be your servant at this time. May people see the cloud of witnesses, all the testimonies of faith, all the things that you have done, in the past, in the present, and expect things that you'll do in the future. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So when I got asked to speak, um, always the most important question is, what am I going to share? And something that has been placed on our hearts was faith. And that seems to be a very big one to ask for a speaker. (laughs) Hey, would you want to talk about faith? And it's like, sure. That's something that takes faith but also to share about what other people are doing. So as I was mulling over, the first words that were coming to my mind was, uh, it is impossible to please God without faith. So today we are going over Hebrews 11, pretty much the whole chapter, and I'll be explaining as we go along. But maybe you'll be on the screen as we go over Hebrews 11. Take your time, look into your Bible. We'll be going over the whole chapter and a little bit of chapter 12 as it concludes. All right, let us start. I'll be reading from the ESV, and I'll be, I'll be um, going and explaining as I go along. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received a commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So what was seen was not made out of things that are visible. Let's continue and explain. Here, we actually see two definitions of faith. When we look at this, the first explanation is is an assurance of things hoped for, but it's also a conviction of the things not seen. These two definitions are actually very crucial. Even though they're crucial, many of the times we focus on one. I think when we ask normal people about faith, it would be, oh, I trust in God. I believe he exists. And that is a lot of Christians' view on faith. Oh, do you have faith in God? Yes, I do. I believe God exists. And that's the second definition right here, that you are, have a conviction of a truth. However, we want to really focus a lot on the first aspect right here, an assurance of the things hoped for, things you don't see. Even the creation of the world was started by words, by invisible things. Even in our own lives, how many of us look at this first aspect of faith and grow it? I would probably estimate most of you have the second level. We believe God exists. Maybe some of us are growing in that first level. What are we hoping for? What are we hoping for in our own life? What are we hoping for in our family, in our career? What are we hoping for in our city, in the world? And really, when we're hoping for it, have we learned to put our eyes towards what God is hoping for than our own desires? So, that is what we're assurance of what we're hoping for. And here, for the next paragraphs, it's going to talk about what God has already done to give us this assurance, this comfort, this encouragement that our hope is not misfounded. We don't just hope into nothingness. Oh, I hope I would get a good job. I hope I'll get a good home. I hope I'll marry someone nice. I hope all these things. And I don't really know. This faith is an assurance and a confidence in a response from God. Actually, I, I want to share some illustrations. Uh, some of you guys may know I sent out an emergency email or a message on Facebook a few weeks ago because my brother, his nephew, my niece, my nephew was dying. My brother's son was dying. It was two in the morning, Texas time. It was midnight that time. So, people who are awake, I thank you so much for praying for him. And it sounded really easy. Oh, he came, he was better. Uh, Two weeks later, my brother talks to me and says, oh, thank you guys so much for praying. I'm sure, really, I don't really know if anything happened, but I think you guys had a good time talking with each other. And I'm like, what? So I realized there are a lot of Christians who have this view that God listens to your prayer. Prayer meetings are for Christians to meet together, but God, he's God. He doesn't really listen to you. He doesn't really care. Maybe he'll listen sometimes, but praying is for you to fellowship and be with God. That's about it. Not really that prayer is us pro asking and requesting of God to see God move in our lives as we're coming before him in different ways. So I got to spend an hour with him, encouraging him how God answers prayer in my life, in the friend's lives, all these different testimonies for a whole hour story after story of how God is real, and God listens to us. And he was quiet, and he thought, no one has ever shared these stories with me. He comes back two weeks later, thinking and meditating and saying, Ariel, I need to tell you something. I, I think God really did answer your prayers, that God healed Alexander. And he was learning over this whole month that this surgery was the most expensive surgery in all of America. Only a handful of doctors in all of America could actually pull off this brain surgery. If you went to another hospital, that doctor, that surgeon would not be able to do it. Not only that, uh, since it's a major brain surgery, he shouldn't be waking up. The boy woke up within 24 hours out of his coma and within three days came out of the hospital with perfect uh, recovery. And the doctors were like, why is he waking up within 24 hours? This is not normal. Why is he... uh, so healthy at this time, like the surgery went completely perfectly. And he's thinking, okay, these steps, these things should not happen randomly. Okay, what about other things? Uh, what, well, actually, they had puppies at the same time, and the puppies um, had an accident. They actually fell out of the basket, hit their heads. And he learned about concussion because of his own son, like the, the symptoms, like his son had Shaking, seizures, vomiting, diarrhea. It's like, I'm seeing the same thing with our puppies. So he sent it to our family. Please pray for our dogs. They seem to be dying. Once he sent that message, the dogs stopped having the problems. And he was like, is this a coincidence that the dogs would have been fine anyways? Hmm. But the little, the, the, his son was thinking, wow, God is healing the puppies when we pray, just like he healed me? Um, Because the son, the little boy, was seeing himself. How after the surgery, remember it is a major surgery. It's not like, oh, he just went in, came out, he broke a leg. They opened his head. It is a major surgery. There's nerves and everything. So he will wake up in the middle of the night with phantom pains all over his body. As a 3-year-old, he didn't know what to say. He just says, ow, ow, I'm just hurting. So my brother and his wife will pray for him. And he will be able to sleep. So this little boy cannot even explain with words about his pain, would say God heals the puppies just like he heals me. So my brother was wrestling with this, woke up at four in the morning, took the dogs out, came back at seven in the morning, woke up his wife and said, I think I was wrong. I need to tell you, I think God healed our son. When he said that, my sister-in-law said, I have a secret. I didn't tell you this earlier. But actually, I saw Alexander die on the table. When they put him in for the operating room and they set him up with all of the connections, his heart stopped. The doctors were going crazy. She was in shock. And all she could say is a very simple prayer God, please save Alexander. A few seconds later, his heart starts again. And the doctor's were like, God, we're all ready to do this. What's going on? And talking to medical people is like, a heart doesn't start not normally when it stops. So she also saw later on, like God actually protected him because imagine she's there at midnight holding this baby and she saw this man coming through the hallway and wondering who this person is. It was like, might be a doctor, but he doesn't introduce himself, but he looks really tired, always wiping his eyes. But then after checking multiple times, he asked like, why is he closing his eyes? Oh, he must be tired. Oh no, he should not be sleeping. You should wake him up. And she tries to wake him up, and he doesn't wake up. So now she realizes, this is the doctor, you should, he's not supposed to be sleeping. He is dying right now. We need to get him ready on the table. And she realized, like, all these nurses have come to the waiting room. Everyone saw this three-year-old boy in his arm. And she's like, oh, it's midnight, sweet baby. He should be tired. It's okay. And she said, if this doctor at this end of his shift just went home, I would have gone home with the baby in my arms, and he would have died. The doctors did say, if you came earlier, we would not have seen the bleeding in his head. If you he came later, he would have been dead. You came just at the right time. And my brother was shocked. like He never heard this from his wife, because he was at home taking care of the kids, taking care of the puppies. She was in the hospital 30 minutes away by herself, and she saw all of this. God answers prayer. When we got hundreds of people here, when we got people from my friends in Japan, people from Europe, everyone praying, we, we expect God to move. When we pray, we have an assurance of a God who listens to us. Let's continue on. Not just stories about my bro- brother, but there's stories in the Bible, and some of you guys are new to church. Some of you have just heard the stories again. We're going to verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, though he was, uh, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. Through his faith... Though Abel died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so he would not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. So we start off just even in the beginning of the Bible, the first stories of the Bible are about faith. Adam and Eve got to see God, but they were kicked out, so their children did not see God, yet they still believed in God. Abel and Cain, they both sacrificed to God, and they both gave sacrifices that the Bible says are good. Abel gave sheep. Cain gave fruit and vegetables and harvests. In the Bible, we see that that's also an acceptable offering. Yet, when we see this, only one was accepted. What we know here is that your actions really is not about your actions. It is about your heart and your faith. You can give things to the Lord. You can do things for God that even God tells you to do, but if you don't have faith, which God knows in your heart. We didn't know. Cain did something that was like, "Oh, he should be rewarded." But no, God said, "I know your heart. You're not right, so I cannot accept it before before myself." Even here, when we look at this, coming to church, going to Bible study, singing these songs, this none of this makes you a Christian. None of this can be even done in faith. A lot of people would go to a temple. I go to Japan. I see shrine. People do these actions probably even more regularly than some of us. Yet, it is by faith God is pleased. Also looking at this, Enoch, when he was walking with God, it was, he walked 300 years out of his almost 400 years of life. He li- it actually, he, lived, he walked 82% of his life pleasing God. He is not like, oh, he just did one thing for God. And then God blessed him. Well, he actually spent most of his life, 82% of his life, pleasing God, walking with God. The same, and then God rewarded him. Looking more, we want to see this passage. This was the key I wanted to look at, but we're going to go more. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. What is this faith? There is like two main definitions of faith. Uh, one of them is like faithfulness doing something regularly, you are consistent. The other one is like trust, a person full of faith. So which faith is God talking about right here? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Well, we know from other times where you can do the exact same thing and you're not doing it in faith. You're not growing in faith. It doesn't necessarily please God. But both of them do. We want to see that both we need both aspects. The first one that was defined in the beginning, the assurance of hope, that we, assurance of things that we hope for, and also a conviction of belief. Hopefully, you have both. You are consistently living like God exists. That is the first step, faithfulness. But not only that, the second step is you're actually doing things that will grow your faith. It is not going to church. It is not just reading the Bible. It is not just praying. Those are one aspect. But how do you prove that God is real? How do you show that God is constantly growing faith in you and pleasing him? Those are take some steps. And hopefully you guys are also taking some steps. You don't just come to church, but you are learning ways to grow in your faith. For me as a missionary, we have to trust God or else our ministries fail. A great example is money. If we don't have this money, we can't even go and do our work. But because we see that, we see God, we can trust God for more. Uh, I just went to Wyoming. Our car was, you guys might have heard, I hit an antelope in Wyoming and I was stuck there. And it was going to cost $6,700, almost $7,000 to fix the car. Uh, my dad is retired. I don't have a full-time job. My fam- we're not that wealthy. It's like, how do, we, how do I have $7,000? But in the next two months, people would send messages to me saying, I woke up this morning and God has told me I need to give this to you. And I'm like, wow, I, I didn't tell you. I needed this. I was telling God, I need this money. Please provide. And by two months, he provided $6,600 through different ways. God provides for that. Or here, I have friends who have gone with me to Japan as missionaries, and they might have gone for a three-week trip. A three-week trip is $3,000, and it's a big amount for a lot of you. Students, seminary students, people who live here, $3,000 is not a, not a small amount of money, yet God provides for them. But then I will ask them to grow their faith. So some of you guys, I even challenged, hey, you went for three weeks last year. Why don't you come for three months? And it's going to cost $10,000. And they were thinking, wow, that's a challenge to my faith, to help it grow. And three people from this church took that step of faith, and God provided for them. So your faith will grow, grow, and grow as you see what God is doing. In this way, it pleases God, because now you're telling of God's faithfulness. You're sharing his stories, and you expect and walk with God, because you know this God answers. Looking also at Noah is another great example. We see him building the ark, but many of us don't even remember that he took 120 years of building the ark. He could have given up at any time of that 100 years. He lived longer than all of us. What would it look like to do a work for God for 100 years and not see the answer until 100 years later? Do we give up that easily? When God ever calls us to do something, do we say, oh, I tried it once? Maybe it's not God's will. Or do we keep going for this? Not only that, he did it for his household. What a wonderful thing is. We love our family members. Hopefully, you come from family members that are good. Some of you, even family members are not good. But do we love them? Do we work for them? He spent a hundred years to save his family. He also spent a hundred years to save people outside his family, but they didn't listen. But he worked so hard in love in faith to God, and in love for family. I would expect many of us would have family members and friends that don't know God. And some of us have prayed for them. Some of us have prayed maybe a few years for them. And we might be getting discouraged now. We might be thinking, God, are you listening? Are you caring? I have prayed. I have cried. I have fasted. Why are you not moving? And looking at Noah's story, doing it for a hundred years to save his family members, even when he did not see rain, even when everyone was making fun of him, he kept going and trusting in God. Let us also do that. My brother, the story I just told you, he was away from God for seven years. I have been a community group leader for many times in this church. I think in 2015, I was a community group leader here and I was asking people, please pray for my brother. He's not really walking with God. It took a lot of time and he was not walking with God. It took him seven years and now he's excited about God again. Some other people may take more than seven years. I'm not saying, oh, seven years and your family member will come to Christ. It might take 10 years. It might take 20 years. It might even be the day before they die. But we must never give up because God can have mercy at any time. Let's keep praying for them. Also, all of these took time. In the beginning was Abel and Cain. You can see if their faith was rewarded, Enoch and Noah took time. Some of us will be having to serve a long time before we see an answer to our work. Also, when we're looking at other passages, there are more things about than just giving sacrifice. Hosea 6:6 says, For I desire steadfast love and sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Our faith is really not about the doing of things and giving to God, the knowledge of God, the walking with God, the obedience of God. The relationship with God, the growth in knowing him, that is the faith that he requires. So when I hope when you come to church, I hope when some of you don't know this God, you're hearing about us, explain that God does these things in our lives, we would love for you to know him too. This is the key of Christianity. It's not about singing. It's not about the, the books that you're reading. It is about you growing and knowing God, which comes from reading the Bible and comes from studying, but also the key is God, not just coming here. And also, looking at that, how it is impossible to please God, it says He exists and He rewards those who seek Him. So not just, it is impossible to please God. We might just take, I know a lot of people just know that part. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But we forget the second half, and he, that he exists, we believe he exists, and he rewards those who pursue and seek him. Are we doing that aspect? We don't just believe he exists. We seek Him in our lives and in the lives of our community, our family, and the people around us. We are pursuing more of Him in our lives and the people's lives around us. We want people to know Him. We want to grow in that faith. And He rewards that. When you seek Him, He will be found. He is near to you. He is not far away that you must call and cry out, but He is near to every one of us. For the believer, He indwells into every one of us. For people here who may not have ever had a relationship with God, he is with you. He is near. He has never been far from you. You can cry out at any time, and you can surrender and have a relationship with him. And also that, it kind of ties with prayer. We must, our faith is tied with prayer. Like, what is it about seeking him? He rewards people, and that's kind of an answer to prayer. When you pray, you must get an answer. Because that grows our faith and love for him. In John, Jesus says, Ask me anything, and I would do it so that the Father may get glory through the Son. Every time God answers prayer, he gets props, respect. People think, that is cool. Wow. He gets honor. He gets credit for it because we could not have done it. But I think, how many of us have prayed these kind of prayers? Expected these kind of things? I know that Um, if children grow up and they ask their parents for things, but the parents deny it constantly, they will never ask again. They don't trust their parents. In the same way, do we trust our Father, our Heavenly Father? Have we prayed and He said no and we stopped praying? Have we learned that He still knows what is good for us and continue in different ways? We must learn and we will see it. And some of us have these stories. It should not be just me up here sharing this testimony. We should be sharing it to each other. Because that would encourage us that God is real in different ways. Because he is so much greater than just what's written here. Continuing on, by faith in verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was about to receive as inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he came to live in a land of promise, in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him with the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered God faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man, Abraham, and in him his body was good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Actually, when I read this passage, I was like, this is perfect for us in IVCA because it applies to so many of us, like Abraham. Many of us were called to another place. Some of us, many of us are not from America and you came here. Some of us, because you were praying, you knew God was leading. Some of you guys did not know God and you still came. Not only that, many of us from this church in the last 10 years, at least 10 families have been sent out to another place that they were not from. They did not go home. They went where God has called them. Looking at this, what kind of faith did he have? He did not know what was going on. He was not like, you can go on a plane and return home. It was a trust in the Lord. We look back and say, oh, wow, we knew that God was there. In the same way for any of you guys who are moving and traveling, this is an international church Do you trust God for that? Do you trust God when you're coming here, when you're going to another country? It will be terrifying. You don't have friends, maybe. You don't know what's going to, what job you're going to have there, who you're going to meet, what kind of difficulties, what kind of of joy and testimonies you're going to get there. But God, as he is here, he is also there, as he has prepared work and places for you to go. Maybe also, you may not be a Christian, and this is, just a random place you came for food, for friends. I welcome you here. I'm glad you're here. But I believe God probably brought you here to hear about Him. For the very first time, you're hearing that a God loves you, created you, and wants to have a relationship with you. But you are separated, and in that separation, you don't know Him. You've lived for yourself for so long, and maybe you've not lived a great life. You thought, "What well, God has set me, I." I'm a very horrible person inside. <laughs> I have done things nobody should know. I've done things I'm ashamed of. Will God still love me? And yes, hopefully over the times you were here, you will hear from the songs. You will hear from up here. There is a God who is pursuing you, who knows you even more than I know you. I don't know what you've done at all, yet God does. And he wants to have a relationship with you as long as you'll come before him and follow him. Looking more, when he is going to these lands, it was for a homeland. And God designed, it said God designed their land. Wait, isn't it the same for us? We, when we go to another place, again, I want to welcome people who have not traveled. Some of you are from America and moved to another state. Some of you are born and raised in Arlington and never even gone far away. Yet God is still moving you to a place, a ministry, a person, an opportunity. When you go to this new location, God is the one who has designed that opportunity. He has designed the conversation you're going to have. He has designed that person that you are looking at. Even though that relationship might be rough, that opportunity might be uncomfortable, that job, that boss, that friend, that coworker worker this, this opportunity given to you may not look great. In the same way, Abraham went to another place. It was not home, different language, different food. It was not comfortable, yet God designed it because he looked forward to what God is going to give him. In the same way, when God gives you an opportunity, near, far, close, God is designing it for you. You're not doing it alone. If you came here from far away, welcome. God has a plan for you. If you're going to go somewhere else, God has a plan for you. If you're here and you have opportunities with lives, God has a plan for you. And also it talks about miracles. We, some of you have never heard about Sarah and Abraham. This story was that Sarah was 90 years old, past menopause. She should not be able to have children. Abraham was 100 years old, also not able to have children. Yet they still believed in God. God is not just a God who answers easy things. God can do miracles even in our own bodies. Why, why would we limit ourselves? Um, I took a personality test recently, and it's Myers-Briggs, and people sometimes say it's great and bad, but there's a weakness where some people would pigeonhole themselves saying, I can only do this. We had a friend recently say, I'm an introvert, so I don't do evangelism. Here we see that even if their body could not bear a child, God can do a miracle. In the same way, whatever person you are, God can do a miracle. You are not limited by your personality, your strengths, your weaknesses, your abilities, your knowledge, your wisdom. Trusting in God, you can do greater things than that. And God will get glory. Because then you'll realize, as an introvert, I should not be able to have these conversations. As a person who is weak in Administration, when these things come together, it's God. Oh, as a person who's not good at language, I'm learning English, I'm struggling here, and I'm building good relationships. Really, God is blessing you. As a student, oh, it's, I'm not a perfect A student, yet when God allows you to study well, you can give glory to God. Continuing on, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised in verse 13. But having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they have been thinking of that land which they have gone out, they would have an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them a city. So looking at these parts about the Bible and about our own lives, when we pray, there are times we receive things in our life. But then Abraham did not receive his promise. He did not see a nation. He did not even see his own land. God said, I will give you a land. He did not receive it. Even until he died, he trusted in God. But... There are things that you will see in this life too. So we won't want to say, oh, when you have a Christian life, God doesn't answer your prayer. You will have heaven, the future promise, but current life you won't get. You get both. He did see Isaac. He did see God providing, protecting him from war. There will be daily things God answers in prayers, and hopefully you're also looking for greater things beyond yourself, family members, your city, countries, nations, that you may or may not see in your lifetime, but you're preparing and sacrificing your life for it. Also, in this passage, talking about homelands. How many of us actually start building our homes here? I want to be comfortable. I want what I have here. But our homeland is not even here. We are citizens of heaven. We don't belong here. Yes, some of us are Americans. We are here, but we don't belong here. Yes, all the international students, none of you guys belong, or citizens here, but you belong in this body of Christ, because we are all united with the same citizenship. We are waiting for the Lord to come back, waiting for or for us to come and join Him. Are we seeking all of the trappings of stuff here when in First John it says, "All of these are not from God, or are we always looking forward in expectant hope and assurance that God will come back or we will come and see Him there? And if that is true, let us bring as many people there as we can. Let us tell people that he is coming back. Let us tell people that there is either you go there or you will never be with him ever again. There is that opportunity right now. And also, it is very sad. In um, 1 John, it does say that if you follow these things, these things are not of the world, you are an enemy of God. Here it also says, if you are building your home here, God may be ashamed of you. You're not. He knows you're not looking for him. You say you love God, yet you don't look forward to him. That is very sad, and he will be grieved for that. Actually, we know the ending with Abraham. We know, like later on, he sat Abraham and Isaac, where he saw Isaac come back uh, from the sacrifice, and God provided for him. Um, not only that, we're gonna go reading the passages. I was gonna skip it, but I realized we this would be helpful for us today. Uh, verse 17, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who he had received the promises and was the act of offering of his only son, of whom it was said, Through your son Isaac shall you have offspring be named. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, which, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, Was blessed, uh, blessed the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the Exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. When he was challenged, it was a complete mystery. Offer your son. Wait, you promised me that I would have more children from him. Sacrifice your son. And it's like, wow. He he just went out. He, He didn't even know what God would do. Yeah, he went out in faith. Do we trust when God challenges us to offer even our very best to him? Not always we're going to get it back, but always God is good. Not always do we know how he's going to do it, but always he's going to do it well. Uh, looking on later on, he talks about blessing children. We have a dedication today, which is great. When I was a kid as a Christian, I was like, what are these things? Because we would see that... Um, uh, Abraham was trying to bless his children and he could only bless one of them. And I was like, Are these like magic? You only got one? What is this prayer? It's like, but we realized like Esau did not worship God. Jacob did. We'll say that he is a God of uh, Jacob, Isaac, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are the people that worship God. Esau did not. That's why to him, he was like, Please, please bless me because I don't have. I don't have a relationship with God. That's why he was like, God, I have nothing else if you don't bless me. That's a little bit different from us today. When we look at these blessings, it's actually a prayer from parents for children, faithfully expecting God to have mercy on their children, to use them in some way. We are not like the Old Testament where you only get to pray once, or if your parents don't pray for you, then there will be no blessing from you. We can pray for ourselves. Our own lives, we can pray for our family's life because that prayer is more is powerful and effective. When we pray for our, our uh, children, that's what we're doing here. It's kind of reflected here that when we would trust God to do it, Abraham he is not he doesn't have power. He doesn't have. Spirit. Any magic power that he will say, I have this blessing, is these magic words, is incantation, and my children will be blessed. It is him and his relationship with God. In the same way, we will be praying for our children. We can pray regularly. We can pray often. And God will answer and bless our children. Didn't I share that earlier, like praying in faith? We should be praying, expecting God, and assurance that God will actually answer these prayers that we offer for our family members, for our kids every night. Actually, we're going to skip down to verse 32 because we're going to start concluding it. What more shall we say? Because we're skipping all these other parts of God's faithfulness. What more shall we say? For time will fail me to tell the ch- of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, and the prophets. So many stories. You should read these things. Uh, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. And all of these, though commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God provides something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. We actually needed to read this part because earlier on, you might have just been thinking, oh, I pray and God answers in this life and I'm constantly being blessed. You see this huge, abrupt change from God defeating enemies and protecting people and then getting tortured and killed and poor, and kicked out of their home, and losing everything, even their very lives. We go from stories of victory to stories of suffering and persecution. But all of this is not about those actions and that story, because all of it is their faith in God that has carried them in times of victory and in times of difficulty. The Christian life is not about getting Blessings, answer your prayer. Have you ever thought of that when I said in the beginning, with all my stories, God answers prayer? You kind of missed the point. It is God. We are not pursuing the answer to prayer, we are pursuing God. We were get, looking to the gifts, or do you look to the person who gives the gifts, who is so good to us at all times? There will be suffering and difficulty in this life. In Matthew ten twenty three, it says, uh, You will be hated. For my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. If they persecute you, flee. In the way, God is also protecting them. And I say to you, you will go through all the towns of Israel before even I come back. You will be suffering before I come back. In Acts 5, the disciples were persecuted and whipped, punished physically. Yet they came out. When they left the presence of the council, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for Jesus' name. In 2 Timothy, a command for all of us, share in suffering as a good soldier, as a good follower of Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter, it says, yet if any of you are suffering as a Christian, don't be ashamed about it, but let him glorify God in that name. If anyone's ever told you being a Christian is an easy life, oh, come here and you'll be blessed. They're, not, they're selling you a different kind of gospel. That is not the good news. You're not getting blessings as a Christian. You're getting God. You're getting a good God and Father who loves you as a Christian. It is in spite of the suffering that you continue to follow and love God that people will say your faith is real. Because your life, even though it seems difficult, you seem at peace. You seem strong. You seem joyful? You seem different from someone who should be really devastated with what's going on. So, this suffering that you're going to go through shows and shines your faith even greater than when everything goes well. If you have someone that's only happy because they get good things, yeah, you can say, oh, God has blessed them. But if you see that someone is joyful and he sees God's answering in different ways, joyful in the midst of difficulties, losing your job, Losing family members, getting, losing friends, getting betrayed, getting difficulties, yet they are joyful. They have the presence of God on them. People would say, your God seems different from mine. That God seems like a genie. They just get blessings. Your God seems to be good, and you seem different, secure. You seem to have faith. Can I know about that? That should be the faith that you show to others. That, and you don't do it alone. It's not like, oh, Christian life, let's go, let's go back to being, Christian life is suffering and God doesn't answer. No. When you suffer, God walks with you. God has never left you or abandoned you. You have not gone through that difficulty alone. You have gone through even with his strength. You are not crushed and destroyed. You are still strong when that happens. God is even not just walking with you. That would be a weak God who just watches you from afar He is able to make good come out of it. He is the only one that's able to make good come out of it. He knows what difficulties and trials you've gone through, and he makes fruit and good uh, characteristics to come out of it. He makes you more like Jesus. He also blesses you in some way that we have these stories, but your story will be very different, and hopefully you'll be able to share that with others. When you go through this, only God will walk through it and make it, good come out of it for you if you were called and you walk with him and you love him. He does not waste your pain. He does not waste any of your suffering. He does not waste your weakness, your story, your brokenness. He will redeem it in a way that you would say, only God could have done that for me. And continuing on, we're going to the second chapter, Therefore, after hearing all of these stories about God being faithful, therefore, since we are surrounded by so many testimonies, this great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us, and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking at Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who, the, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. And is seated at the right hand, at the throne of God. After hearing these stories of maybe me, maybe these things from the Bible, live like it's real. Live like God is real, and you're going to cast it off. Actually, when we talk about this cloud of witnesses, it's not just in the Bible. If you're a Christian, you probably believe that this is true. But if you're not a Christian, and again, I welcome you guys, if you're a Buddhist... If you're a Hindu, if you're an atheist, you might read this and think, oh, it's like a fairy tale. I don't really believe anything that this book is telling me. I don't believe anything on this screen because I've never heard it. It could be just words made up. And that is true. To you, it is foreign. And that is why the cloud of witnesses should also include us in this church. Hopefully, I have always said, if, you have, if you're new to learning about God, please ask one of us about why we're a Christian. Maybe sh- any of you guys, if you are a Christian, are you a- ready at any season to give a reason for the hope that you have? Do you have testimonies to join with all of us to share what God is doing? God doesn't do things every single day that's so amazing. Like, I don't have, we don't have the puppies healed every single day. That would be weird. We have stories and we will share it, and then next week, someone else will have a story, and they will share it. And then next month, someone else will have a story, and they will share it. And we will be amazed constantly because God is real and active and working in our lives in our church. We are also joining this cloud of witnesses. So again, if you have never heard these things, please, I am, well, I am available to share these stories. A lot of us who are part of this church will be also willing to share stories of how God is real, how God has answered prayers, how they believe in God. And I hope through all these things, you will realize we truly believe that God is real, and God pursues you, and God answers, and he is a personal God, not far away. Well, looking also, we're supposed to push forward. It's not, some of these things, yes, we said, God would answer quickly, but it says, run with endurance as marathon. Actually, races are hard. Running is hard. Some of you guys heard me joke before, like, our human body is not made for running. Like, I run, I hate running. You run, your body hurts, your lungs hurt, your legs hurt, your brain hurts, and you're like, see, God did not create us to run. It's breaking our bodies. But in a way, you can kind of see that it's hard work. It's not what our bodies are made naturally to do. We like to just move and walk, not to run for this. But you can train yourself. You can work at it and grow in it. In the same, that was a physical representation of our spiritual walk. Our bodies are not naturally going to run spiritually. It's going to hurt. Our lungs are going to hurt. Our brain is going to hurt. Our heart is going to hurt. But as you do it, it gets easier. Just as your body gets better at running, your body, your spiritual body also grows in faith. And things get easier over time in different ways. In the end of the day, having great faith is not the goal. When we look at uh, Hebrews 12, our focus is on Jesus. He is the object of our faith. We look to him for our faith. And not only that, we don't have to do it alone. He founded our faith and he perfects it. If any of you lacks faith, oh, please help my unbelief. God answered that prayer in the Gospels. In the same way, if you have any faith right now, he perfects it, grows it. You just need to put your eyes on him and away from everything else. He started it, and he also fills our weakness. When we look at perfected, it's not that you'll be perfect. It's kind of the idea that he strengthens our faith. So I I don't want any of you to read this, like, oh, In this life, I will have a perfect faith. It's more of, he kind of fills in our our weaknesses. His strength is shown when we are weak. So our faith, no matter what the size is, he comes in and makes it look good. He makes it better and complete. So when we don't have faith, we can always cry out to him. Strengthen me. We should also never run away from these opportunities. Many times, you guys got these opportunities to grow in faith. I need this conversation with this person. I need to go travel somewhere. I need to study this. I need to do this and that. I need to uh, read the Bible consistently. I need me to dedicate some time praying. All these co- challenges that God has given you to grow your faith. How many of us I ran away from it? Oh, I don't want to do this now. Or I'm going to avoid that opportunity. Faith. Grows by you constantly taking those steps. I said earlier, we had a ministry trip for 3,000, later on, 10,000. Same way, God will keep challenging your faith, but you can rely on Him to help you. So let me just uh, close this time in prayer and we'll be able to transition to our next thing. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this passage. I skipped half of it, but the whole Bible is a testimony of people who have faith in you. We believe in it (laughs) because we've seen it, but even without seeing it, we've never seen you, but we believe in you. And you have not uh, let that faith go in vain. Many of us, we are growing in that in different ways. Lord, you know each and every one of us in this room how strong our faith is, how long we've walked with you, how many times we've seen you answer prayers? How many times have you seen you pull through in a way we could not have done and given us strength and opportunities that we could not have done? Did we rely on ourselves and lose the opportunity to grow our faith? Lord, forgive us for that. And even right now, I pray for this church that we will look inward and outward, first into ourselves, how do we pray more? Then, to things that we have, are we praying for our community? Are we going out to the nearby universities in expectant faith, assurance that you are the good shepherd calling your sheep, and we will just go out and we will find the harvest is plentiful there? And then when we go out to to be sent out to the ends of the earth, to our family members, to wherever you're calling us, are we expecting even you moving in them? Are we tired of that and loss of hope? Forgive us, Lord, strengthen our faith wherever we are, so that the world will see it is not just faithfulness, that we just come regularly to church, but it is an ex- a relationship of hope that they see, that you answer, you respond, and you're personal. Again, I want to welcome anyone who's heard this for the first time. They, uh, have ne- maybe i have never heard that God cares. Maybe i have never heard that God created them and, and knows them created them to have a relationship with him, and yet they have heard it for the very first time here. Maybe they've heard it multiple times here. And it's kind of from the outside. God seems to be real in our lives, but maybe not in their own life yet. I pray for anyone who's here that does not have a relationship with you yet, that they would be ready for that, that they would realize that they are separated they have no connection with you. They're seeing it from the outside how good God is. And maybe you want it right now. Maybe you want to have this relationship with God. To the closeness, the comfort, the knowledge that the God who knows and created you also wants to walk with you as a father. I pray whatever separates them, the obstacles that they have in their hearts. Pride, selfishness, fear, and anything that might keep them from walking with you. That you are answer that fear, answer that pride, and show that you are worth surrendering and following for the rest of your life. I pray that they may give their lives to you right now. And if any of you guys do right now, please feel free to come up to your friend who brought you here, or come up to the pastors or one of the worship leaders, and any of us would love to share how you can just surrender and start a relationship with God right now today. And for the rest of this, these brothers and sisters, I pray for us that we will follow our name very closely. We will be international, have our eyes to the ends of the earth. We will be for Arlington, reaching out to the people around us. We will be a church, a family for everyone around us. And that you would strengthen us here and send us out to be your witnesses, to be your voice, to share that God is real, God loves us and everyone should know this God and start a relationship and walk with him for the rest of their life and that he is good and he will never fail and he will never abandon us and that he is worth having faith in. I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.